Welcome to the Insights at ACR 2020 series, brought to you by the Cytokine Signaling Forum, where authors reviewed their Congress posters and presentations on cytokine signaling and JAK inhibitors. My name is Professor Chris Edwards from the University Hospital Southampton in the UK. This edition focuses on vaccinations and features presentations from Professor Kevin Winthrop and Dr. Rodriguez Garcia. An elevated signal of herpes zoster has been observed across the JAK inhibitor class. In our first presentation, Professor Winthrop summarizes the incidence and risk factors for zoster in patients with RA receiving upadacitinib. Hi, it's Dr. Kevin Winthrop. I'm a professor of infectious diseases and public health here at Oregon Health Science University in Portland, Oregon. We calculated uh, herpes zoster incidence rates per 100 patient years. Uh, we'll note that uh, the majority of patients were using background methotrexate uh, in this analysis, and about half the patients were using steroids across the various dosing groups. Uh, in terms of the presentation of zoster, uh, it's really no different than what we've seen with other JAK inhibitors. Almost all these cases are um, cutaneous. Most are monodermatomal or limited to uh, a second uh, adjacent dermatomal um, or dermatome. Uh, invasive cases are extraordinarily rare. Uh, there was just one in this experience where one patient on 30 milligrams um, once daily developed uh, meningoencephalitis. And other than this case, there were no other CNS or other invasive uh, cases. Uh, the uh, um, Kaplan-Meier curve is nice to look at. You see that the higher incidence really starts uh, right away with the 30 milligram uh, group as compared to the 15 milligram group. Um, and the rates were uh, obviously much higher for the 30 milligram group than they were uh, the 15 uh, group. In terms of risk factors for um, herpes zoster, I, I thought this was really a nice analysis. Um, uh, what was interesting to me is that the, the history of zoster stuck out as a very strong risk factor. This was a bit, a bit counterintuitive. Um, normally when someone has an episode of zoster, they build their immunity. It's like vaccinating yourself, and this lasts for some time. And, and most people don't develop a second episode in their lifetime. So, what was interesting to me is that this was actually the strong risk factor. I would have guessed that people with prior history would have been relative protect, relatively protected, but um, that's not the case. So, this is intriguing, and I think um, it makes me want to investigate this further as to why. But that was the strongest risk factor for de developing zoster while receiving hepatocidinib. The other risk factors were uh, enrollment in Asia, and this is something we've seen uh, in the other JAK inhibitors as well, that there is something uh, special about being in Asia and that your risk factors uh, are higher. And, and it's probably multifactorial in terms of why that's happening, but we just, we just don't know. Um, we did not really see much uh, increased risk associated with age in this analysis, slightly higher rates in older people, but we really should have seen higher rates uh, than we did probably, as we know that is a very important risk factor for zoster. Uh, what was interesting here is that we didn't see an increased risk with background corticosteroid use. Uh, that's of course been noted uh, in, in pretty much every zoster study ever, <laughs> ever done on the planet. Uh, it is a very strong risk factor for uh, shingles. So why we saw nothing here, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just too small of an experience. Um, 
uh, or, or the doses were small enough. I, I just don't know. Um, but I was surprised to see it not wash out as a um, significant risk factor in this analysis. Um, so in conclusion, uh, herpes zoster events in patients with RA receiving UPA uh, were higher in 30 as compared to 15. The rates with 15 were uh, fairly similar to the rates we see with other JAK inhibitors and in their developmental programs. We certainly see the same uh, risk factors with regards to um, patients in Asia uh, being at higher risk, the reasons for which, again, we, we don't know. Uh, and what, um, again, what stuck out for me here as, as being interesting uh, was the history of shingles as being a marker for a uh, higher risk of, um, of, obtain, of having shingles while uh, undergoing uh, jack inhibition in this experience. So that, that deserves for, for the follow-up. Uh, so that's it. Thanks very much for your attention. Have a great Congress. Cheers. We'll be hearing from Professor Winthrop again in a moment, but first a presentation from Dr. Rodriguez Garcia on the real world impact of the combined vaccination scheme against Streptococcus pneumoniae in patients with RA treated with DMARDS. Hi, I'm Sebastian Rodriguez Garcia. I'm a rheumatologist. I currently work at La Princesa University Hospital in Madrid, and I'm going to present the, our, our work regarding the impacts of the pneumococcal combined vaccination scheme in the incidence of, the, of related infections. Um, for this work, I, I, I had help from my colleagues from many different uh, tertiary centers uh, across the country, but most of all, from uh, my colleagues on, uh, from the uh, research units on the Spanish Rheumatology Society. So I'd like to, uh, to thank uh, all the hard work and, and I'd like to acknowledge their work. So regarding, uh, regarding the, uh, the, um, the abstract, um, I will start by giving some background. And we know that respiratory infections are among the leading causes of hospitalization in array. And these respiratory infections are, mm, I'll say most of the time, related to some certain bacteria and among them Streptococcus pneumonia is, is, is one of the most frequently involved. And for that, uh, vaccination to, uh, is, is strongly recommended in this group of patients uh, to try to reduce the incidence of, of related infections. Regarding vaccination uh, for, pneumococ for, for pneumococcal disease, the Spanish Ministry of Health currently recommends the combined vaccination scheme, that is, uh, one dose of the conjugated vaccine, um, and after that, eight weeks after that, uh, one of the polysaccharide, and five years from this last one, another dose uh, of the polysaccharide vaccine. So uh, the evidence supporting this recommendation derives from other at-risk populations, such as HIV cohorts or cohorts of asplenic patients, uh, for instance. So there's only few studies analyzing the real impacts of these vaccination protocols in, 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 in clinical practice. So that was the, the gap of knowledge we, we, were, we were trying to, to, to fill with new, with new evidence. So our objective was to assess whether the implementation of this combined vaccination scheme has an, the expected impact on the incidence of, of streptococcus pneumonia-related infections in patients with rheumatoid arthritis treated both with biologic or targeted synthetic DMARDs. For that, 
we uh, designed, our study design was, uh, we nested the cohort of RA patients on a national prospective register. This register uh, includes patients treated with biologics, either naive or switch, and also with targeted synthetic DMATs. The period we, we analyzed goes from October 99 to November 2018. And um, to assess vaccination status, the vaccination administration is not something, it's not a thing that we systematically collect in this register. So to, us, to assess the vaccination status, we surveyed all participant centers regarding their vaccination policies and including the date of the initiation and of, these, of the implementation of the systematic scheme and which scheme they use. So after that, we um, set three outcomes that we believe that are um, tightly related with, with uh, pneumococcal disease. Those outcomes are invasive pneumococcal disease, that's, that's more, uh, one of the obvious ones, community-acquired pneumonia, not necessarily bact bacteremic community-acquired pneumonia, but also we included lower respiratory tract infections. Because in the literature, it's quite clear that the burden of pneumococcal disease might be underestimated if we only go for invasive pneumococcal uh, on bacteremic community-acquired pneumonia. So we uh, gather uh, a set of codes. Of codes, we use uh, we, we we use codes from the Medra dictionary in the in the um, in the register to analyze adverse events. So we uh, gather sets of codes for these three outcomes. And then for the last um, model, for the regression models, we use a composite outcome, um, adding the, those three outcomes that I mentioned. And the new one, the composite, was called SP-related infections, streptococcus pneumonia-related infections. So we obtained the crude incidence rates, and we, ex we, we split the exposure periods the exposure and uh, the total exposure in two periods, a pre-vaccination and a post-vaccination period. And the uh, time point to uh, split this, this exposure was to 2016, because that was the time when the combined scheme was officially recommended in Spain. And then we uh, built a um, Poisson regression model adjusting for, for, for potential confounders such as sex, age, smoking, and, and the Charson's index to estimate the incidence rate, rate uh, ratio comparing both periods, the pre and the post vaccination ones. So regarding the, the, uh, the sample we obtained, we, we included uh, 1,704 patients. Uh, their, the mean age was, was 60 years old, 79% uh, were female, and around 70% were currently smoking when they were included in the register. The, the mean disease duration was nine, around nine years and around 75%, 77% were positive for rheumatoid factor and were acopositive um, respectively. So um, regarding the incidence rate, we presented the incidence rates per 1,000 person years and we obtained a total of 167 events. That was the, uh, the overall amount of events. And um, on the pre-vaccination period, we obtained no events for invasive pneumococcal disease. But we obtained 
uh, a number of events for community acquired pneumonia and for also for lower respiratory tract infections. So the incidence rates for community acquired pneumonia in the pre-vaccination period was 21.8 um, infections per uh, thousand patient years, and it was further reduced to 14.6 on the post-vaccination period. And when we analyzed the composite outcome, uh, the pneumococcal-related uh, and pseudococcus pneumonia-related infections, the uh, total incidence rates on the pre-vaccination period was 31.9 events per uh, thousand patient years, and it was reduced uh, in the post-vaccination period to 17. So um, when we split this, um, these incidence rates by age and, and we use the, uh, the, the, frequently the frequently used time points at 65 years old, we see that, as expected, patients uh, older than 65 years old have a higher incidence rate that was 47.1 for uh, SP-related infections, and it was far reduced to 34.6. And a similar thing happens when in patients uh, that, that had uh, less than 65 years old, but the incidence rates were, were, uh, were, uh, were, 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 were we, we got lower incidence rates. It was 29.5, but it was also reduced to 14.2. That, uh, that was uh, for the outcome, SP-related infections, the composite outcome. Um, for, uh, regarding the poison regression models that we built, uh, we obtained on, on the crude model, with, with the, the unadjusted model, the post-vaccination period presented an incidence rate ratio of 0 0.28, and the 95% uh, confidence interval was 0 0.14 to 0 0.53. So it was, it was uh, a narrow uh, confidence interval. After adjusting for sex, age, charism index, and current smoking at the time of, 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 of inclusion on the register, the post-back period remained on 0 0.25 on, on, on the incidence rate ratio with also a narrow 95% confidence interval going from uh, 0 0.13 to 0 0.47, and it was, it was uh, statistically significant. So uh, using this model, we, we show that the, the post-vaccination period uh, was uh, better than the pre-vaccination the, the pre one, and this is something that is um, only for try to adjust the numbers that we already seen in, in the in the for the incident for the crude incidence rates. So, based on these results, we can conclude that the incidence of streptococcus pneumonia-related infections experienced a decrease in 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 RA patients taking both biologic or, tar or targeted synthetic DMATs, and and this decrease was after the introduction of the stepwise combined vaccination scheme. And this reduction was independent of age, sex, smoking, and comorbidities included in the uh, Charleston Index. So how could these findings influence the clinical practice? Well, for instance, on the recent uh, vaccination recommendations from Euler, although it was strongly recommended to vaccinate this kind of patients uh, for streptococcus pneumonia, there was no um, clear evidence or the evidence was not that robust for the task force to recommend either 
uh, a, a combined scheme, the stepwise scheme, or the, the previous one using only the polysaccharide vaccine. So I believe these results um, can add to the add information for, for future updates of it, because it, it looks like the uh, stepwise uh, vaccination scheme, the combined one works, works better than the previous one. But of course, this, uh, this article has some limitations. These, these observations might be indirect, are indirect. So maybe we will have to perform future studies with different designs and to try to see if these results are consistent with, with these ones. And that, that's an area that required uh, further focus for further research. And uh, that was also highlighted on the systematic reviews informing these recommendations, because efficacy uh, studies regarding vaccinations are really, uh, are really scarce. And most of the time we rely on the, on the on the appearance on the zero um, zero conversion after vaccination as a surrogate of efficacy, but in this subset of patients, we really need to have more information about the real impact of it, and for, to be able to, for instance, in these recommendations, to really uh, say to our colleagues that you should do that, and we are we 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 strongly believe you, we should implement this kind of vaccination because we have. Uh, the right amounts of information. The, the, uh, we have robust evidence to certainly recommend that. Um, that will be all from my side, and um, thank you for your attention. Now back to Professor Winthrop for our final presentation on the response to pneumococcal vaccination in patients receiving open-label upadacitinib. Okay, so uh, I'm Kevin Winthrop, and I'm a professor of infectious diseases at Oregon Health Science University in Portland, Oregon, um, presenting very quickly a, a study uh, looking at uh, pneumococcal vaccination responses among RA patients who received uh, upadacidinib or who were receiving it in a phase two open label uh, extension study. Uh, Alan Kivitz was a senior author. Uh, I was the first author. This is being presented at uh, the ACR Convergence Conference in November. And I'm happy to give you a brief overview this was, uh, the intent of the study was just to make sure that patients on epidemicidinib had adequate responses to Prevnar 13, which is the conjugate pneumococcal vaccine. Uh, this is, of course, the, the newer vaccine for adults in the last three or four years. And it is recommended to start the, the pneumococcal vaccine series with this vaccine. And uh, we took uh, a number of patients who were receiving either 15 milligrams UPA or 30 milligrams of UPA uh, in this LTE. Again, they all had RA. Most were using methotrexate concomitantly, in fact, almost 95, 98%. And the number of patients using corticosteroids was um, about 50% in each group, 42% in the 15 megs group and 50% in the 30 megs group. Uh, again, these are small numbers. The overall study only had 87 individuals in the UPA 15 group and 24 of the UPA 30 group. Uh, as we uh, looked at their vaccine responses, you can see that at week four and week 12, the responses held up uh, between those two time points. These are weeks after the time of vaccination. 
Uh, in the UPA 15 group, uh, you can see that the proportion of patients reaching a satisfactory response, which was defined as greater than twofold increase in the antibody concentration in at least six out of the 12 pneumococcal antigens, uh, you can see that a greater percentage of people reached that outcome in the UPA 15 milligram group, both at week four and at week 12. Although you can see that the proportions are very close and they're not statistically different. So about 67.5% in the UPA 15 group and 56.5% in the UPA 30 group uh, reached that outcome measure at week four. Uh, in terms of looking at it by antigen, uh, you know, one, three, four, or serotype, pneumococcal serotype, uh, there, there really wasn't, um, you know, much difference here other than what we'd expect. We see a range of uh, geometric fold responses um, at each serotype, and uh, this range between roughly two-fold uh, increases to almost eight-fold increases, depending on the serotype. And uh, in terms of safety, the vaccine was well-tolerated. There was really uh, very few adverse events and no difference between group. Uh, interestingly, we, we did look at this according to background steroid uh, use because, again, we had about 50% of individuals in each group uh, that were using uh, steroids. And we, uh, we really didn't see any negative effect of steroids. With Jives, with what we've seen uh, in other vaccine uh, um, studies, uh, where, where patients using low-dose steroids uh, do not seem to have a negative um, ability uh, to mount a vaccine response. Now, of course, I will stress that these are low-dose steroids. Most of these patients are on five uh, milligrams on average, but they're all less than 10 milligrams per day. And if you do studies looking at higher dose of steroids, you do see uh, a diminished effect in immunogenicity to, to various vaccines. Uh, so in conclusion, uh, we saw uh, a reasonable uh, proportion of patients uh, developing satisfactory humoral immune responses to PCV13. Uh, in both groups, and the response was slightly higher in the 15 milligram group. Remember, uh, everyone, nearly everyone, was on background methotrexate in this experience uh, based on other data from other studies and how we know methotrexate can influence uh, vaccine responses, particularly pneumococcal vaccine responses. Uh, I would expect if, if patients were not on methotrexate, we'd probably have even higher uh, proportions of patients uh, with satisfactory responses. Um, there is data with the pneumococcal vaccine where, where you know, if you stop methotrexate for two weeks at the time of vaccination, you certainly uh, can see an increase in pneumococcal vaccine responses. Now, that's the polysaccharide vaccine. This is the conjugate vaccine. Um, but I'd expect uh, probably something similar here, but no one has done that study yet. Uh, but, but my hypothesis would be that, that holding methotrexate in this setting would also be uh, beneficial. Um, lastly, uh, just again, the, the responses were slightly better for 30 versus 15, but they were pretty close. And again, low-dose steroids did not negatively affect the ability of the host to uh, respond to, these, to this vaccination. Uh, so that's it. Thanks very much for listening. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this edition of Insights at ACR 2020. Make sure to subscribe to the CSF podcast channel on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss out on our other ACR 2020 content, like our condensed daily highlights of the ACR Congress. If you found this informative, why not listen to our regular podcasts, which include author interviews and a monthly review of the latest cytokine signaling papers, hosted by the CSF chairman, Professor Ian McInnes. You can also visit cytokinesignaling.com 
for access to a wide range of free educational resources, including monthly slide summaries of the latest papers and accredited CME courses. Thank <laughs> you.